We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our President's Day weekend special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing and free premium delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. A painfully fitting end for Arsenal in the Europa League as Arsenal falls 1-0 to Atletico Madrid in the Wanda. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I say fitting. Um, some people may take issue with that, but it really, it had it all. It had uh, clown keeping. It had uh, laps in defense. It had nearly chances. It had catastrophic injury, and it had Arsene Wenger just not having the luck or really dare I say, managerial noose at the end of his career to, to get through. Uh, we'll come to all that with Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Posner My Pants. Hello, Paul. Woohoo. Have you had your fish leg attached or, or whatever you're doing, a you know, cattle leg? Or are you putting like a dog paw on the end of your ankle? Or what would they do to you? So uh, as some people may not know, I broke my foot and they wrapped it up. And they must have had an intern do it because there's so much binding on it. I don't know that there's any foot shape. It's just like a giant stump. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see what's there after we peel it off. I'm going to have a look tomorrow. No, I'll leave it so, on. Yeah, it, and when they dig up your yeah. remains like a century from now, they'll assume you were a king or an emperor or something. They'll be like, oh, this, this guy was mummified. Grotesque. He must be important. Yeah. 
grotesque court gimp, possibly. Is that any different than how you're perceived now? Um, Given that I've just been blocked by Lord Hill Wood (laughs) and called an asshole... Not if if we'd started this podcast on time, I'd have been fine. It's in it was in the ten it's minutes the I was waiting period. to get going. He blocked me. To so. be fair, I, I I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably earned it. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Anyone calling you an asshole or blocking you in, in your immediate recent past? No, I, I'm not sure I've ever been blocked. I don't know what it, honestly, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Well, someone is <laughs> so, someone is affable nice. and erudite as yourself certainly wouldn't be. I am Elliot Smith. You should block me on Twitter. I'm sure I've blocked you as well. Uh, we are going to dig into this. Tim was going to try to make it, but he's getting back from Madrid a uh, little on the late side. So he has promised he will be available for all the remaining podcasts of the season. Uh, what I did not tell him is no one gives a fuck about the remainder of the season, so there will be no podcast. Indeed, perhaps no football whatsoever. So... It's a 1-0 loss. Um, We started the game unchanged. And, Clive, I guess the thing that frustrates me... So let me give you my quick two cents here. You look at this match and you say, we know we need a goal to go through. We could keep it tight, keep it tight, keep it tight, and then go at them the last 15, 20 minutes and try to get that goal. Sure. But my argument would be there is a huge incentive to get an early goal. Because if you can score first, if you can get the early goal, if they score, it changes very little. But if you score, you put them in a position where they must score to get through. And now they have a tougher time balancing attack and defense. They can no longer sit in and be compact. And you get a second and they're out. So I think that there was a huge strategic benefit to being able to score first, but not much risk because them scoring first doesn't change a lot. So I would have liked to have seen Mkhitaryan start. I would have liked to have seen him go for it from an attacking perspective. I, I realize Mkhitaryan was injured, but, you know, you saw Simeone do it. He starts with the injured Costa, and he goes until he hurts himself and has to be taken out. By then, the job was done. We waited to bring on Mkhitaryan. It was really the only change. Were you disappointed with that decision? Um, mm, it was expected. I think um, the whole day was... Full of tension, and lots of people were very concerned. This is a moment of the season we've been waiting for. Well, no other option, and this was a game that mattered. And basically, I felt the team reflected a level of fear. And uh, I was really, I was really, like everybody, really scared and worried about the whole game and excited at the same time. And then I looked at the players, and they looked more scared than me. Right, I was looking at Ospina. Everybody looked tentative. I, everybody. They look so nervous, and I think. Wenger picked a team to try to control bits of possession when they had it, to try to quiet the crowd and to try to get progressive. We started fairly slowly, but then grew slightly. But it felt like we were a plucky cup team playing the big brother, trying our best and being quite surprised at the possession that we had and not really focusing on the fine details of, of technical accuracy you need under pressure. And I felt we didn't do that very well. And the whole thing, my lasting memory of this moment was how we didn't deal with it. We didn't deal with the critical moments in both boxes, in almost both legs. And you're judged on those critical moments at the top level. And we did not have the quality, the composure, and the class to deal with those moments. And I agree. So more, rather, rather than think about the team selection, the team selection, you know what, we, I'm sure there are times in the past between us three and Tim as well where we could debate five or six players. We're really debating one. 
right? We're debating one, and that tells you something about where the squad is right now. Sure, but I, I just, and, and I don't disagree with anything you said, and I think, you know, after the first match, uh, when you and I did sort of a, a slap-together podcast when I was in Florida and nobody else was available and I was recording on uh, two tin cans connected by a string, you know, we, mm-hmm. we mentioned that it was an excellent performance, but at some level when you miss your chances, you know, missing your chances is a lack of quality, and you do deserve some criticism for that and there's no question we lost this tie because of a first leg that we threw away that where we should have really just ended the tie in that first leg but on this night it was clear what the job was and I felt okay about it being 1-1 after the first leg insofar as we knew what we had to do and knowing the value of getting that first goal and the importance of it and the degree to which we needed a goal I just don't think you can put that team out there and expect that there's enough end product I, I really said I even said on Twitter I think whether we go through or not is as simple as whether Mkhitaryan starts. And I, I will stand by that. I think the teams were fairly even on the night, but we lacked that little extra bit of directness and uh, maybe that little extra quality. bit of quality. But but also just, you know, the thing about Mkhitaryan is he he seems to be willing to take the big moment on. I, you know, the, the way he volleyed that shot just over, the, you know, he... He seems to drive the team forward and be willing to get into the box and try to make something happen. So, so I mean, Paul, am I am I overthinking with respect to Mkhitaryan? What would be the argument for leaving him on the bench in a game where there's so much benefit to going for the early goal and so little risk? Uh, well, look, it's certainly a way to go. I'm not sure it was the only way to go. My certain my tendency was to think that Mkhitaryan off the bench with 20 minutes to go when he'd be running against tired legs would be his advantage. Whereas if he's coming on against fresh legs, he might just be bouncing off the Atletico Madrid wall without him being fully fit himself. So it, it kind of reversed his situation. But but that's a kind of a subtlety. Um, you know, was che- quick question, was Czech on the bench for us? Or was he injured? No, he was available. I mean, I, so, and I don't so understand we say why. There was, yeah. yeah, we say there was only one it's two, player. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it, really the other debate is, and it's when you said in your introduction uh, that this was kind of, you maybe didn't use the word ironic, fitting. But I think there's a couple of fitting aspects additional to that. One is the fact that per, as far as we can probably surmise, he went with Ospina because it was the right thing to do because of the promise he made. And I don't, I'm all for that in general, but I still think, you know, if the Nazis come to the door, you don't tell the man Frank's upstairs because you promised to tell the truth. I think. <laughs> I, think I mean, that's have, a brutal I but you, fair enough uh, example. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think you hand David Ospino over to the Nazis and say, uh, oh, and here's the rest of his family, by the way, just to make sure. Um, no, I think the right thing to do for Arsenal Football Club and for the rest of that squad was at the end of the day, given that there would be no second chances for a happy ending here, you do the other right thing and you put check in. So uh, I think I think that's a huge, huge element of it and a presence we needed on the field. But, but Ospina lost, lost the game. I mean, he, he is a clown, an absolute, utter, complete clown of a goalkeeper. We were in control in that game. Then he started kicking it to them. 
Yeah. We had about 10 minutes of pressure, which changed the momentum towards halftime, and then they scored. And I looked at his face at the start of that game, and he wanted no part of that game. That game was too big for him. And um, Wenger, for, again, got trapped in his principles. He'd made a promise, and when it came down to it, in his last meaningful game, he would rather stick to his principles than do the right thing and pick the better player. Now, some people say, well done you. I say, what are you doing? That's right? not yeah. his not job. His you. job is not to, to, to have principles win out. You know, everybody goes on and on and waxes lyrical about principles and philosophy and the Arsenal way. It's all bullshit. It's about winning. It's about, it's about winning. winning. It's, it's about winning. We have a goalkeeper that, um, you know, that's better. Has better have played bigger games. That's won the Champions League. Has got a bigger reputation. He's big, he's bigger. Full he, stop. He has a full-grown um, human body. Yep, <laughs> yep, that's true. And basically, we we chose not to play him. And I I want us to get away from that. I want us to get away from this value thing that actually is starting to look a bit old-fashioned. Why not try this new value thing called picking your best players and hopefully try to pick them in the best positions. Stop trying to fit everybody in or your mates in. Just pick the best players to do a certain job. Right? And then once you start doing that, you get a balance. We'll all see it and we'll all get behind it immediately. At the moment, it's too many. He's been, I'm afraid he's been there too long. He's got too many long relationships and he's and he loves his players. And so would I, if I've worked them for eight years. And I'm afraid it's now clouding his judgment. Yeah, and, and I think and, there's genuinely a principle, you know, if he wanted to justify to himself, I mean, there's a very strong principle that it was the right thing to do for everybody else, that he switches Ospina to get the games during the league season. And what message does it send to the players? Because I think we all would have said it was kind of a a good but tepid performance. It was kind of a like, it was good between the boxes but didn't have any teeth and didn't have any cojones to it. Not really. Uh, and I don't want to dismiss everything we did. I mean, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of, I think every player out there cared, but I think it really comes back to the classic. Uh, it, this was the other piece of the, the irony for me. It comes back to the classic Wenger statement, which is if you do not believe, then you have no chance. And this team never looked like it believed. I totally agree with that. And by the way, before we get too far up our own ass, oh, sorry, were you not done there? No, I, I did. I was supposed to either. wait there, but okay, get us the rest. Still of, wiggling. No, no, get your get your head all the way up there, and then we'll pull it back out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know, I I think that's at the heart and soul of it. And you swap out Ospina for Czech, and you send a message to the team that. We're actually going to do everything we can to win this damn thing. Exactly. Instead exactly. of playing within some nice rules, some nice principles. Um, yeah, and same so old Arsenal. It's, it's about the friends you make along the way, right? <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's not the message. Yeah. And I, again, I don't think he's really shafting his principles. Because at the end of the day, if you see a big enough difference... You can switch Ospina to the league. He gets his games, and you look at the. You can look at the team and find a way of saying, at the end of the day, we're sending out the best eleven, and we're putting the best team out on. And on, this is the team I judge it to be on the day because we're going to win this damn thing. Now, my my only uh, counterpoint to that would be that that 
the bigger issue for me is still the Mkhitaryan decision because while Ospina is a clown and Ospina did terribly on the goal, there's no guarantee that Czech saves that. It's still a one-on-one with Costa versus the keeper. Uh, it's still Bellerin's fault for the goal, much like it's Koscielny's fault for the goal in the first leg. So we didn't lose this because of, of Ospina. And even if Ospina saves that Costa chance, we still crash out at nil-nil. So, yeah. you know, I, I mean... I, I, I will I, say, though, Elliot, I will say, though, with Mkhitaryan, we knew he had an injury. So what? We knew he didn't... We knew he didn't train. We only knew he had one day's training. And if the majors made that decision, we, we, we can at least guess that he's made it based on information that we don't have. But I guess my, my argument with, would be Simeone Czech, did the same thing with, with, with Costa. And by the time yeah, Costa, Costa came but, off with an injury. Costa, but, but Costa was missed the first game. He did play in the game of the weekend when they drew nil-nil. He played for 65 minutes. Well, and got so, so did Mkhitaryan. <laughs> and, and basically, I felt... But Mkhitaryan came off with an injury. Yeah. Costa came off fit and ready for this game. And I think... So, so let know, me ask you, what's I, I, the worst I'm, case scenario if he had started Mkhitaryan and 35 minutes in, he, he's, he's done? I mean, it's, it's really just the same thing reversed. Yeah. I, 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 I can't disagree with you, but I'm just trying to give you the reasoning. Right, you know, I, I'm based on facts really that he just didn't train, so he didn't train till the very last day, and that was just before they flew off. So there may have been a reason for it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's fair because he played well against United, and he scored our only goal. And I, you know, I just this is a guy who has goals in him, and he has directness in him. And I think a front three of Ozil, Lacazette, and Danny Welbeck is dreadfully short of end product. And Jack Wilshere yeah. doesn't add any. And I think if you bring Mkhitaryan in, it didn't have to be for Jack, by the way. It could have been for Danny Welbeck, who I thought had a rough night. L- let's come on to the players, though, that I think deserve the scrutiny a lot more than Ospina. We are 15 minutes in, and we've talked a lot about Ospina and Mkhitaryan. I thought that Ramsey and Ozil had poor performances in light of... The circumstance, you know, there's been a big debate because Martin Keown went absolutely nuts on Mesut Ozil, and I, I don't think his comments were necessarily warranted. But Paul, there is this sort of war that goes on. The people that say Mesut Ozil is is a joke, he's a fraud, he, he walks around the pitch, he doesn't care, he doesn't have the heart that Jack Wilshere does. And I'm sorry, by the way, going and you know crashing into the back of someone because you're angry is not leadership; it's selfishness. That yellow card Jack picked up is not an example of having passion. It's an example of having right. It's stupidity. It's a lack of of personal self control. So you don't. I don't want that from Mesut Ozil. But what I will say is. It is fair to judge Ozil by a different set of standards. It is fair to judge Ozil the way you judge Messi at Barca and Ronaldo at Madrid and um, you know De Bruyne at City and Hazard at Chelsea. He is our best player. He's our, he is paid like one of the best players in the world. He is meant to be one of the best number 10s in the world. And in big games, he has not put forward the best performances. Now, I'm not saying he should grab, pick the ball up from the keeper, dribble it up the pitch and score. I'm saying he should... He should have a cleaner, better, more uh, effective, impactful game, and he didn't. So I I thought, same with Ramsey. Here's a guy who's renegotiating a contract who is either going to be sold or re-signed this summer on big, big money. And Ramsey does have a history of coming through in big games. This was not one of it. So for those two players, was their poor performance at the core of our ineptitude in terms of uh, being able to create the end product we needed? Uh, yeah, but really the, the issue for me was, I think our creativity was okay. It wasn't brilliant. We we got ourselves in plenty of good positions in and around the box. We put in good balls that nobody got on the end of, uh, some players got in really good situations and didn't finish it off. Um, it was all just, there was a, to me, there was a tremendous lack of belief right in the, in the 
cauldron of the box, right in the 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 final ball moment, the run that wasn't made. Danny Welbeck not getting into the six yard box a couple of times, been on his heels when if he'd been as proactive as their centre backs, he would have been first on the ball kinds of things. And there was just that aggression. If we'd had Diego Costa in our as our striker without doing anything wonderful, he would have got a goal there. He would have bullied his way to be on the ball. We were always second best there. And so I think it's, in that sense, I think it's harsh on Ozil. I think we create, it wasn't his best game. And and clearly mentally he was a bit off, not because he didn't care. I, I would hazard a guess that it's not that. I think he was frustrated with how we were set up and how we were playing. It just didn't feel right to him or something. Because uh, right from the get-go, he was he was he he'd make these odd passes to no one and no thing. He just what he wasn't dialed in like he believed we were going to win. Um, and the other thing I would have to say about him is his his other failing when he kind of seems to dial out of a game because of frustration is that something De Bruyne would give you or, or one of one of the other players is you know. If he gets in a good situation, he'll score a goal and Ozil will pass. And on a night when he doesn't have a, a, an, a Costa or an Aguero or a Sanchez or a, sorry, sorry to get you all fired up there, Elliot, um, or an Obama Yang, um, he, you know, we don't have that, that guy who's, whose ego is going to make him get there first and, and put the ball in the back of the net. And this, the, the shortcoming of Ozil is those other players can do it solo one moment in a game and score a goal. They might not get you three or four goals, but they would, you know, Ozil had two, at least two great situations where he could have scored, gone for the goal or set up somebody else. And he chose to set up somebody else and, this just didn't seem like a night when our guys ha- had the belief to go and do it themselves. And that's what you want from your 300 K player to give the rest belief. I think with Ramsey, I think, I think he had a pretty good game until the last maybe 20 minutes. And, and then I think he lost some discipline. He started trying to do too much himself in terms of the positions he got into. But I kind of understand why he did that. He he kind of lost belief anybody else was going to do it either and, and was determined to do it himself, ironically. It was a game in which we were almost good enough and we were certainly good enough to score a goal and yet didn't. We We absolutely should have scored at least one more goal in each of these matches. We should have had three goals. I still think they would have won it, but, by the way. But you know, we could only look to ourselves and say, "Well, why didn't we have at least three goals and 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 at least roll the dice for them?" Because their level of comfort, the the sense that they had other gears, was there the whole game, even if they weren't playing that brilliantly, even if we were arguably outplaying them between the two boxes. Well, and it's also got yeah. to do with the energy you expend, Paul. Because I think what yeah. I saw in this game is we had to play like twenty pass flowing moves to start to create opportunities and, you know, shift it wide and switch play and get it out to wide positions and beat a man and they had to punt it up the pitch to Griezmann or Costa and that was it. And so yeah. you know, they could commit a lot of resources to defending, but still give us trouble with one long ball and we weren't able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, they they always had a. They were always playing within their framework. We were always playing their game, 
even when we're, you know, I was listening to the commentator using the classic, we're controlling the game, but blah, blah, blah. We, you know, just because they're letting you knock the ball around, and I wouldn't say they're quite letting us, but just because it's, we've got the ball and we're knocking it around does not mean we're controlling the game. It was very much the game they anticipated playing. And, you know, just just their whole... Uh, the, the So, the one thing... Just the, I, just the I, one I was, thing? Yeah. <laughs> I was grateful for, at the end of it was, and I can't believe I said this, that Diego Costa scored because the alternative was Antoine Griezmann. And if he'd done that stupid, bloody, humiliating dance again, I would have been beside myself. Well, he made he made uh, Granite Chaka do that dance, actually, if you want to look that up late in the game yeah, uh, in true. the corner, he made him do it. So, uh, Clive, you know, I think Paul hit on something, though. I mean, we, we did definitely have a plan, or if it wasn't the plan, we got pushed into it, but it seemed to be the plan. And let's call it a plan, because that makes me feel happy, um, to get into wide positions and try to take advantage of them. There were a lot of bad crosses. We had 19 crosses. One was accurate from Granit Xhaka. Nacho Monreal and Bellerin had games to forget. I thought Bellerin had one of his worst games in a long time. Nacho could not cross the ball to save his life. Um, you know, obviously the big players are the players you expect the most from. The Ozils, the Ramses, and you need them to come through. But on a night when we were able to get it wide, and those were our most promising opportunities, the crossing let us down as well. Yeah, I mean, I've got so much to say in this game and about certain players. We need about three podcasts, right? So um, I'll just take you back a little bit. So you know I like my basketball, right? but I also like rugby. And in 2003, England won the World Cup. Right? And um, they won it on one phrase. They called it teacup, thinking correctly under pressure. Right? So that's a big coaching phrase. What do you do when the pressure comes? And I felt that when the pressure hit, our technique let us down. To see really good players overhitting passes, overhitting crosses. And then you start to think about if you're in control or you're being controlled. So you're right. I think you did 19 or 20 crosses in this game. I think one or two hit a player. And then we did 37 crosses in the first game. Then you say to yourself, okay, we, we were unlucky. We had so many clear chances, blah, blah, blah. Well, we had half chances. Then you think, am, am I being controlled here? Then you look at the box and, and what Atletico do, they barricade the box. They put bodies in there and take spaces away. And so this is where I feel Ozil let us down because what he's very good at is seeing those type of scenarios and he comes deeper and he plays diagonals across the box from a higher position and tries to drop it in behind. And what they were doing, they were letting us get wide and square and their shoulders were square to the ball, and they were just clearing it and getting in front of the man. Our, our forwards were thick. I felt they marked themselves in the box. I felt they didn't have the right passing lanes. They didn't work hard to be found. But when they, and when Monreal cut one back early for Lacazette, he was on his heels. That was the only bit of space in the box I saw all night. Can I make a point and about that made, ball real quick? Because that was one I wanted to bring up. That was yeah. a good pull. I mean, not the the, the ex- he didn't execute it well. It went kind of between Welbeck and Lacazette. But why didn't we try pullbacks more? We were crossing to the strength of their you know their bigger central defenders yeah, exactly. against. Why didn't we try the pullbacks? Where was the where was to your point? Where was the thought under pressure to say I'm going to pull it back to the second runner instead of crossing it into the the teeth of their defense? Teacup. Thinking correctly under pressure. When pressure hits, that's when you get paid. The players that deliver under the highest pressure are the ones I put on pedestals. I don't put on pedestals people that run about 
and do what they like and make big tackles and score the odd goal. Rubbish. It's about doing it at the highest level versus the best teams. And I look at who shows up and who really wants to deliver. And we have players on pedestals. We got, we, we've now got Europa Cup team on Champions League wages. I, and I'm looking at the quality. I am looking at the technique. I'm looking at the thinking under pressure. And I'm questioning these players. I questioned them before the game. I, quit, I spoke to you about his last last podcast said about this is a big game for us or I knew this was a moment and, and so when people talk about him what do they expect from him so I'll tell you what I expect I expect him to drive the car that's all I expect him to be absolutely ball hungry ball dominant drive the car I don't expect him to tackle I don't expect him to even shoot that much I'd like the odd shot but I expect him to drive the car and I thought he tried but I think he's too easily discouraged and what we've got is a big sample size where we know his best games has been at home. He very rarely does it away. Now, if I had that player for this amount of time, I would not play him away in big games because he has let me down in big games away from home. But he never is held accountable. And I would much rather see a more le- slightly less talented but more effective player in Mkhitaryan have those minutes away from home or somebody just say to him this is not acceptable to be so peripheral in big moments away from home you can sit until you work it out yourself about how you're going to live and I can hear people say well we play him on the wing and we don't play him here we don't play him there we need to wake up and look at the quality of player and what he's actually doing and stop thinking about these players as heroes and just them on their output. And this is the first set of players that eventually are, 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 you know, cost the manager the job. This is the same group of players for the first time in 20 years and not being in Champions League. They've got the same facilities, the same training as all the previous other players that we've had. They're more highly paid. At some point, and we all know the manager's got issues, but at some point we have to look at the player and then don't be upset and don't argue each other when someone says something about a player that you love. Well, actually, look at what they're doing on the on the pitch. Look at how tattletty naive they are. Look at how we mark ourselves. Look at how we close ourselves down. I, I watched Ramsey last night running with the ball to the player that he was passing to. So he would run the ball from the middle of the pitch to right up to Bellamy and then pop it off. He had attracted three players to that space. Bellerin's got no passing options, lost the ball two times. And I look online, everyone goes, Bellerin's playing shit. And I'm thinking, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Once we start moving the ball quickly, and then the player on the ball has got time and options by movement, then we start to flow. And we had that for about 20 minutes in the in the first half until Aspina had done his party tricks and started kicking it to them and we lost momentum. I really feel we're coming to a point now where we need to work out our own team, work out what we want, and realise that one of the biggest issues that we have is our approach to football. How we walk on the pitch. What are we saying? What do we what do we represent? What are we trying to be? What we when we walk on the pitch, we just try to play. And it's not good enough. When they walk on the pitch, when good teams walk on the pitch, they have a plan. They know what they're gonna do for the first ten, the second ten. And it's no longer good enough to have these playerish players doing what they like when they get on the ball and hoping they're going to produce a moment of magic because they're not good enough. 
And that's the truth of it. The quality is poor. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And, and by the way, I think Ozil is an excellent player. I think you can believe that Ozil is a uniquely talented, skillful player and also think he needs to do more for Arsenal at times. Like, there is why, why can't you say Ozil was poor in this game and still believe Ozil is an exceptional player? The fact is we're giving him 300,000 pounds a week. He is our highest paid ever player. He's one of the highest paid players in the league. He is supposed to be one of the best in his position in the world. And based on those standards, he has to turn in better performances. Now, there are going to be people who say, you know, I can't believe you're sitting here criticizing Ozil when defensively we've been a tire fire all year. Attack is not our problem. Well, attack was our problem at the Wanda, and Ozil is the guy who should have the quality to create some special moments. Aaron Ramsey did have a special moment. He had the moment where he made a trademark run. He gets into the box. He got into a good scoring position, the ball wouldn't fall for him. And to his credit, he tried to stay up. If he goes down, maybe he gets a penalty. He also gave the ball away a lot. He only passed at 74%. Hector Bellerin, you know, I think a lot of the criticism for his performance stems from the fact that he is so guilty on the goal. And here's where I think the seeds of it go back to the manager. Hector Bellerin has been overplayed this season. That's not an opinion. It is a fact. And he played at the weekend against United. No idea why. No idea why this guy has to play every game, but he was. A player who depends on his running and his focus. He's still a young guy. You want him to be sharp and thinking about Thursday. And when do they get the goal? Stroke at halftime. They catch him. They catch him trying to have a breath, thinking about halftime, thinking about getting into the dressing room and taking a seat and catching his breath because he's played so many fucking minutes all season that he's an exhausted player. That's just the way it is. And so he gets caught out. His concentration drops for a minute. He's thinking about that, you know, that, bottle of water and having a seat in the dressing room and instead they're thinking about scoring a goal and it's moments like that where little decisions by the manager to overplay Bellerin throughout the season come back and cost you a goal so I agree you know I I think I agree 100% yeah and and, you know that's why I think you can kill the players all you want but with a better plan with better man management with better tactical substitutions you can you can get more out of a team with this talent you start with Mkhitaryan maybe you get a goal first and now they're chasing the game and how different does it look from there so, I mean, that's some of it. There, wanna, there were three or four mistakes on that goal, Elliot. Not, that was the well, mistake. Callum Chambers has a bad header, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, so Chambers, bad header, weak header. We we don't get there for the second ball. Uh, Bellerin doesn't react quickly enough to get in goal side of Costa. Costa's inside of him because he's lazy offside. And on the second phase, he's now ahead. And, and then Ospina dives out the ground to get a hot dog and lets him go and kick it in the net. Right, yep. so there's your mistakes. They there's have great hot dogs at that stadium. So. But um, but basically, you know, a lot it's of the fan look. base foc- focus on the one mistake because they want to kill the player. I think in football, a lot of it is down to pressure too, Clive. And, and for them, their system was simple. Crowd the box, kick it long. Kick it long, Arsenal can't handle it. They can't handle Griezmann. They can't handle Costa. They manhandle him. They, they created half chances or chances with every long boot up the pitch. And, and then they were able to just crowd the box. For us, we had to have so much more focus and energy and quality to create those opportunities. And, and that imbalance gives them a tremendous advantage. You know, I want to ask you guys a hypothetical that I think is pretty interesting. Um, I realize you can't change the past, but I, I want to get both of your feelings on this. So, Paul, I want you to go back to January. Mm-hmm. Let's say we don't get Aubameyang, we don't get Mkhitaryan. Mm-hmm. We don't sell Giroud. We don't get rid of Alexis. Okay? So we still have Alexis. We still have Giroud. We don't have Aubameyang. We don't have Mkhitaryan. Now realize that has negative consequences going forward because obviously Giroud is on the wrong side of, well, hell what, 32, and Alexis would be going for free. 
Do you believe that if we had not swapped Alexis and Mkhitaryan, if we had not sold Giroud and didn't have Aubameyang, that we would be going through to the final in the Europa League and that it would have, in fact, been better for this club to not do those deals? Or do you still think, no matter how disappointed we are now, that those deals were the right deals and we were right to make them? Uh, So uh, I can't sign up to it that well, but I can say this much. Um, If you have Sanchez on the pitch, then that's a player who will get a goal even though nobody else seems to have the cojones at the time to score. He could be playing terrible. We could be playing terrible. He can get a goal out of nothing. Uh, And to me, that was what was needed this particular night. Well, and with 50 50 crosses and two legs, you think Giroud maybe gets on the end of one or two? Well, exactly. And the reality is it would have been Sanchez putting in a bunch of those crosses and his accurate dinks are just unbelievable. So... um, Unfortunately, what they would have offered us was the wings, which Sanchez would have had a a fine time standing on that ball, as we've seen him do a thousand times, and he now does for United, and picking out a cross, and with Giroud in the center, uh, and given all the crosses that were coming in anyway, yes, they seed you the wings, so Giroud was the player we needed. Obama Yang's pretty good on the headers, but he can't play in the Europa League. So from a Europa League perspective, it was a terrible deal. I guess we kind of knew that um, already in in January when we made the trade. We just didn't think we were going to be this neutered when the game came. But yeah, I mean, absolutely from a a writing of history, because everything came down to Europa League, then yeah, that's pretty much scuppered us. Yeah, and now, made now us look. this toothless uh, animal up front where it's Lacazette who can be good but quiet and uh, Welbeck whose touch can be uh, fleeting. Unpredictable. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, and who can get a little bit lost then in terms of what his contribution is and we just we just weren't front-footed in the, in the box and that's one thing... Re- uh, Atletico Madrid are. They'll get to every ball first unless you've got somebody like a Sanchez or a Costa or somebody who's a bit of a bully or no Bama Yang who's, who's got that mentality and ego to get there first and we didn't have that. Yeah, I, I just think this was a game where you know, you you're delivering crosses to n- nobody who's particularly adept at finishing them. You have wide players who are fullbacks instead of wide forwards delivering those crosses. It's not ideal. We had no one with the skill of an Alexis to take on their fullbacks and, and stretch their defense. It just didn't play out right. So, Clive, I mean, I guess I'll ask you the same could, question. Could, could I yeah, could yeah. I throw in quickly? I do have a little sympathy for the guys doing the crosses because once you stop believing there's any point in banging in the crosses that you're not, that your guys aren't going to get them, you start trying to do too much with your crosses. So I think that had something to do with the quality. Yeah, of maybe. It. I but, mean, I don't know that that explains putting them out for touch and you know for throw-ins and things like that, putting them into touch. But yeah, I, I get it. Does, your point. It I mean, does fully, Elliot. Fully. Yeah. What I meant to say is that fully explains it. Um, Clive. Yeah. So look, realizing that I'm giving you sort of a fast gene bargain because. If you don't do that January business and you don't win the Europa League, then you are a much worse team next season. End of story, period. You don't have Aubameyang. You don't have Mkhitaryan. Giroud is probably gone anyway, and Alexis is gone. But in light of how things went, would you have preferred us to not make those moves? See, you know me. I never get hung up on players because players come out of the sky. 
right? So a new player hits my timeline every day, and I look at them. I, I'm wow. just going to throw this out there. If they fall out of the sky, they're not going to be much use to you when they land. Just yeah, I understand. I understand. But, but there's so many players out there. I never worry about players, so it wouldn't bother me either way. I will give you my sort of issue we miss with Alexis, and basically it's not just his play. It's his personality. So his personality got him out of Arsenal because the dressing room hated him. But his personality on the pitch, we haven't replaced. We haven't got someone, especially away from home, that says, I'm going to have it with you. And basically, you can't handle me. I don't care where I am. I'm going to take you for a run. I'm going to take you for a dance. I'm going to be all over you. When you think you've got time on the ball, I'm coming to tackle you. And it just sends messages. right? So I... Love his personality on the pitch. I heard, you know, we've heard lots of rumours that he wasn't very well liked, but we haven't replaced it. It's funny enough, our way record, we had a stat on here a few weeks ago, didn't we, that we that we stole from Mascars, right? Our way record without him is not very good, right? So We have not record, won a game since 4 AD away. <laughs> exactly. This is the Battle of Hastings, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, we've got a situation here where there's two main, main things where we struggled away. We haven't got Alexis. And by the way, we went to four at the back. And since we've done that, we have not won away. So guess what? At least one of them is in control. We could have done something different. We could have given more security. That would have protected us to the long ball. Three versus two at all times. Why not make a change? I thought where Simeone was brilliant in this game was that he made adjustments. In the home game, Ozil and Welbeck were excellent, and so was Lacazette. And he shut them down. He, he he found somebody in, in Thomas Party who's a right back centre midfielder, the perfect body to play against Welbeck, shut him down. And they shut down Ozil on the transition, shut him down centrally, and they were much tighter to Lacazette. And our players looked discouraged. They looked like they couldn't overcome their opponent and they looked strangled. And I think I don't think Alexis would have um well, we always look back fondly, don't we? So the players get better when they don't play. Right? I, so, I um, always liked him. <laughs> uh, but I like his personality. Th- I always think back to the FA Cup final. Nervous, Chelsea, thinking, can we, are we better than them? The game starts, Alexis is on it straight away. Bang, one, two, into the box. Snaffles a goal out of nothing with sheer smart-mindedness. And to cheating. recognise the offside situation <laughs> and, and score. Right, so, and and in the semi final, he 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 steals it in extra time. It's that devil that we miss, that player that says, "I'm I'm taking you on," and it makes everyone else bigger and better. And we haven't got that alpha male in our team anymore. We have a we have a bunch of really nice, good players. Who and that's are what Arson wants. I mean, that is a reflection of Indians. the manager. They're, they're not alphas. You know what I mean by that? He They're wants to be the right. alpha. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't want a vocal leader. That's why he always says Nacho is the real leader. Monreal is a real leader because he he just comes to work, keeps his mouth shut, and, and works hard. I mean, that's what Arsene Wenger wants: nice, quiet lads who come and do their business and leave. It's a it's a it's hard for people to maybe understand this, but when you play football at you know, a, a decent level, you can spot the alphas on the pitch. You can just see who's in control of what they're doing, know what they're doing. And it just transmits itself. And you can see it from a, from a fan perspective. The players that are really want to lead and take control and take extra responsibility. Some do it on, on what I call flat track bully days. Some do it all the time. I just look at the players that try to do it 
in, in the most difficult circumstances. And, and I'm afraid that some of our players choose their moments when they want to be the alpha, when they want to be when they want to be good. I'm afraid it, it, it represents itself in the league table because we now are a cup team when we turn up when we like. Yeah, and when there's nothing on the line, we don't turn up. When there's a lot on the line, we freeze. So that's great. But I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we have won a couple of FA Cups. Look, there were a couple of creditable performances. I thought Granit Xhaka had a really good game. In the midst of Amen, all this, brother. Um, I think he has really come back Amen. into form, and he's shown that there's a player there and a player that we can have anchoring our midfield. I think Callum Chambers deserves huge credit. Um, Amen. You know, maybe we say a quick word uh, or eulogize Koscielny's career. His career at Arsenal is certainly done. I think it is devastating, a terrible way for him to go out. A player who has made high-profile mistakes but has been operating in a car crash calamity defense and, and doing the best job of anyone we've seen do it for a long time playing through pain and the Achilles problem doing everything in his power to get on the pitch gets on the pitch and then have that happen in such a big moment terrible. Uh, it's terrible and and I, I I think Chambers deserves a lot of credit and and Koscielny you know deserves a lot of, of sympathy for for what he's going through I mean would you guys agree I mean Paul that that Chambers and Chaka are probably the two that come out of this game you know able to kind of hold their head up with their performance yeah, absolutely. I thought Chambers did brilliantly considering. I don't know if he did brilliantly, but he did brilliantly well, of course, considering. Of course. You're great on a curve. You're great, right? You yeah. grade Chambers for who Chambers is, and he turned in a, a game where he didn't he didn't make the mistake that cost us. No, absolutely yeah. not. And he was very good on the ball, and he was, uh, I think he was pretty calm. Sometimes he can look like he lacks a little pace and physicality but he, he really you know he's pretty front-footed in his performance he had two uh, last-ditch interventions in our yeah. area that kept this from being three nil that were yeah. sensational stop it boy stop it well you've, you've already you've already you've already called it right why do you think they went long into the channels because they could bully us <laughs> and why was that because well chambers can't isn't up to it physically and neither is mustafi yeah, but, so but again, Chambers, we're grading Chambers on a curve. Did, did, do you, would you say Chambers did better than you expected when he had to come on and Koscielny went off? I will say Chambers did well for Chambers. Yes, exactly. He got turned That's in. The, how many times have you seen him get turned in the box like that? A lot. He got turned so badly. His, his pelvis is in one part of the pelvis <laughs> area and his feet in the other. We've got to look at these things properly, right? He got turned in the box. Only when, the, when the, I think Griezmann went round Mustafi did he get back in and got a block in. That could have easily gone in the bottom corner. Right, we have to. The other team are telling you what you're good at and what you're not good at by their game plan. They are telling you our centre halves are six foot with short legs and they can't run. They can't run into the still makes them half a foot taller than our goalkeeper. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. So I I need you to wake up to this. No, I see. But but, but wait a minute. You're you're overthinking this. You're overthinking this on on the Callum Chambers scale. Oh, Chambers has done well. Bullshit no. two tackles. When people say, oh, this player's done well because he scored a goal. Monreal's had a good season because he scored a goal. Monreal's was shocking in both legs. Yes. Absolutely shocking yes. in both legs. Forget the goals he scored in the in the league, in non-entity games. This was the moment you had to turn up. You were lagging in the first leg in the crooked line, slow out of your... No, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. You're lagging out your box in the first game. Cost us the goal. You offered nothing because you're looking at your foot. And in this game, the amount of times you gave the ball away, the amount of bad crosses that you gave, he's hit a wall. He Let's was terrible. Call it. Yes, 
Let's but call he, it out. Jesus, you've but, lost Clive. Well, but, no, but, but Clive, I mean, call he's also, out. what, it's 32 really years old, and, and the guy we took for free from the Bundesliga team of the season can't get in the fucking team every weekend? I mean, it's it's pretty he ridiculous. He should be playing him more. He should be sharing the minutes so yes. Monreal doesn't look so knackered. But, but again, we're, we're evaluating Just Chambers rotate. on the Chambers scale. Would you at least say that Callum Chambers can leave that stadium with his head up based on what he did with his capabilities? That's all I'm saying. I he, thought, had, he had a good game for Callum Chambers. Yes, that's all I'm saying. That, that player is not taking us anywhere. No, of course not. He's that's not, not my point. Anywhere. That's not any of our point. I'm saying Mesut Ozil had a bad game by Mesut Ozil's standards, and Callum Chambers had a good game by Callum Chambers' standards. And David Ospina is a fantastic party clown by so the standards of party earlier? clowns. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Look, I want to get to the. I want to get to the manager. This is a heartbreaking moment for Arsene. And is look, Clive. It is possible to feel terrible for Arsene, to care for him deeply, but also think he is well past it. I think this tie showed him up. Now, some people on Twitter push back and says nothing to do with Arsene Menger. How much of this, in your opinion, is on Arsene? I, I think you can guess where I'm coming from here. Hey, look, I, I've compartmentalized Wenger's impact a long, long, long time ago. I started to look at the players a lot more, the younger players and where we're going. And I tried to look to the future and, and, and try to see what what's left in the cupboard next season. Because Wenger's doing, he's doing the same things for the last five years. And a lot of his, his work has been based around individual productivity. We've got less of those individuals. Guess what? We're not as productive. And now he's leaving us with the worst team in 20 years. Right, so that's it. He he manages sometimes to find nuggets of form at the right time. The competitive landscape that we're now working under is not allowing him those moments. So he normally he always has a good run this time of the year, and normally gets him in the top four. This year, that he, he might make sixth. Right, so it could be seventh. It's just a different world now. People have got more money. People are scouting. People are, are buying smart. People are building squads. People are building on speed, intensity, physicality. That means their base game is a 6 out of 10, which means they can accumulate points. Our game is built on flow, technique, movement, rotation. And I'm afraid our physicality levels are not are not intense enough. We're not playing at the intense level that the top teams are playing. We get outrun, get out sprinted. So our base game is lower than some of the top teams. I look at Spurs, for example. I think Spurs are an ugly team. I think they're an ugly team. I don't think they're a flowing team. Their best player is Ericsson. The rest of the players are ugly and functional. But they score goals and they play away from their box and they've got a functional team that has sustainable football week on week. I don't like it. Right? I honestly don't like the football. There's not much skill there apart from Ericsson. But they've got a system that works for them and it accumulates points. And what I need you to think about there is their worst game is not as bad as our worst game based on the type of animals they have on the pitch and their game plan. What we need to do is not always think about our top game, but think about our worst game and think about our worst weaknesses and really look at them honestly and then fix them. Right? Don't start praising people for doing bits and pieces because that's not going to get you the points that we need. And we're sitting, I don't know how many points we are behind the leaders, 35, 40 points, I don't know. It's, it's an incredible amount of points. We have to address that. And that means a far more pragmatic approach to the base level of our game. And that's what we haven't got at the moment. We have completely forgotten the fundamentals of football. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take I issue with not, this little. 
Elliot, yeah. I just got to say something Please. quickly. I would not like to be the one who has to make love to Clive tonight. Well, that's not very I'm, nice. I would be thrilled to be the one to do that, Clive. I just want you to know. Hey, I want to see you take issue with me. I'm ready for you. So All come right, on I'm going to take issue with this. <laughs> I believe up. that this is a talented team. First of all, I don't think Atletico were that good. Having seen them up close, not, I think not they were. Not questioning talent. I yeah, said okay. fundamentals. Fine, but. Not but, questioning talent. Coach, coach him up, the top Clive. five players. Coach him up. Mesut Ozil is in my top five favourite ever footballers from a talent perspective. And I've been around a while. I have never seen a player produce some of the things he produces and see some of the things he sees. That doesn't make us a winning team. That doesn't. It's, but you can win with Mesut Ozil in your team. You can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Coach him up. But it's how you, it's how, it's how you provide the platform for him. And don't play football without a safety net. Respect the fundamentals of the game. Have the right type of bodies around him to allow him to do his thing. Don't put him out on the wing and ask him to do shuttles. Right? It's just, we are fitting people in. We're not making the hard sure. decisions. We're, sure. we're picking people by name. But, right? but we're not picking them by attributes. Can, can I make a point here about the use? So, so there are a lot of people saying this. He's leaving us with the worst team we've had in 20 years and so on and so forth. We have had worse teams. We have. I know we have. I watched them. Marilyn Schmack was our center forward. Okay? Uh, Danielson was in our midfield. We had Squalacci and Sylvester at center back. I've seen worse teams. The, to me, Arsene Wenger has deteriorated seen, seen as players. a coach. Uh, okay, I've seen worse players. players. Fine. Uh, Arsene yeah. Wenger is deteriorating as a coach. I believe that if we appoint a real quality tactician as a manager, and by the way, there's every chance we get this wrong and we, we appoint a clown who's not ready. But if we get one, I think this team can be coached up. I think that with, with an appropriate tactical approach to football, with this squad, I think we can be in the top four. I think we can be winning this competition next season if we take it seriously. I think we could have beaten Atletico. We made one tactical sub in 180 minutes of football. He waited to bring on Mkhitaryan until there were 25 minutes left when we needed a goal. He did not use his last sub last night. You can't tell me... I don't care what it is. Bring on another defender and put Mustafi up front. Bring on Enkedia and take off Bellerin and, and do what you have to do. You need a goal. He yep. sat on his hands. And, and I just... I just look at it and I say the decision not to start Mkhitaryan, the decision not to make subs in the first leg, which I still don't fully understand, the decision to start Ospina, the decision, you know, to to not use that final sub. These are these are coaching issues. These are issues. Teacup. Yeah, well, they're teacup issues from the manager, and I. You know, I'm sorry, but I, I just feel that Arsene Wenger is a man I, I adore, I have huge affection for, huge respect for, and I feel he has declined as a manager. And I am, I am tempted to say that there is a small possibility that we are so much better next season that we are suddenly slapped in the face with how far he had fallen. We are not yeah. sitting in the league where we should be with the team we have. That is my opinion, and I think we may get hit with a little dose of reality of, you know what, wow, maybe Arsene Wenger had become a pretty poor coach. And you can say, well, he won a couple of FA Cups. Well, I mean, Wigan won the FA Cup. I'm, I'm not trying to take it away. But Cups, you know, a team can coach themselves through a Cup. You have to be up for it. It's, you know, it's an elimination situation. Anything can happen. I mean, Forrest beat us in the Cup this season. Do we think Forrest Chelsea is better won, than Chelsea players won the Champions League, right? Without yeah. a manager, basically. Without a manager, exactly. That's exactly right. So I think in a Cup, you can get through it without a manager, but not in the league, not when you have time to prepare for these teams game in, game out. Anyway, I, I want to bring Paul back in here. I mean, I don't want to, but I feel obligated. So, I mean, Paul, where do you come down on this? I mean, how much of this 
the, the players go out and they play and they have to win, and I realize that. But Arsene Wenger can be pulled up for some of the decisions here and some of the ways he coached his way through this tie. How much of this is on him? Um, I kind of think it's all on him. Um, uh, I think, yeah, really, I think it all comes back to him. Um, and so there's, there's another feeling I have, uh, obviously we're all kind of pretty down in the mouth that he's not going to have the fairy tale ending and we're not going to have that fairy tale ending for him. And that's what everybody would have wanted. But the, I have this other feeling that in a sense, as it's almost fitting that we kind of unravel a little bit at this point and have this this kind of low point that we can build onto on the one hand and on the other hand uh, i i have this it seemed to be the message coming from the manager was he didn't understand why he had to go and from a closure standpoint, if you're wondering about Arson, I'm not sure it would have made it that much easier for him. It would have been wonderful to win, don't get me wrong, but it would have been also very, very confusing for him. Yeah, why, why am back. I going now? I just won a European trophy, yeah. Yeah, and you see, you see, I could rally the troops, and you see, all we needed to do was to have things line up, and, and really we should... But he's going to be able to look back on this and say, you know what, uh, I really... Didn't I really wasn't taking us in the right direction. It's going to be tough and difficult, but you're better off when you break up with somebody if they actually tell you that they found you unattractive and very poor at making love than if they keep saying, no, no, it's more me than you. Because then you can actually do something about it. Me think he doth protest too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you got make you got making love on your mind, Paul. You need to, you need to, I, I do. You yeah. You, you I, get I our foot sorted out. Well, it's be, it's because of what DJ Khaled said on uh, on social media today. I don't know if you caught that, but he uh, he insisted his wife perform oral grat- gratification on him, but he does not believe he should have to return the favor. Um, so maybe, maybe that's why. Yeah, I know. So uh, anyway, my yeah. higher point on this is. I think it's all going to be okay. I think at the end of the day, those people who care about Arson and love Arson are going to love him regardless, maybe even more so because it was such a crappy ending for him. This this isn't the kind of thing. At the end of the day, I don't think it'll really matter, but man, would I have picked going out with the Europa League. Of I think course. it's going to be Everybody okay. It'll be okay the for him. T- yes, sorry, go ahead. It'll be okay for him. It'll be okay for us. Um, we'll look back with the golden haze on this time, regardless. In a little time, he, 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 I wanted the fairy tale ending for him, but you know, I'm reading stuff like, "Oh, the players let him down, and the players should feel ashamed." Yeah. He, he let them down just as much. Look, Arsene Wenger is not a top quality manager anymore. I'm sorry, everybody who loves him. I love him too. He's not. He's not leaving because he's still a top quality manager, and we just all took him for granted he's leaving because he's overseen a decline in the team's performance it's lost touch at the top of the table now admittedly manchester city everybody's kind of lost touch with them we're in sixth we could finish in seventh we're going out you know we went out to lower division opposition at the first hurdle in the fa cup this season he's he's leaving because it's time it is time and you know unfortunately he's not going to get the fairy tale ending but i think it is fair to love him appreciate him and also acknowledge that he he is not able to do it at this level anymore. I mean, Clive, can, can we put a bow on that? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to moving on from talking about a manager. We seem to have done it for so long. I, I, I tweeted yeah, out I on, the, on the on the on the day um, about before the game, saying, "You know what? I think he's a very unlucky manager." I look around and I, I don't see other teams get punished as much as we do. But then I, but then I look at the the Czech or Spina decision, and I think sometimes you make your own luck. Do you know what I mean? That game was in was in our hands and we lost momentum. It's not about blaming individuals. It's about recognising players' limits, their top game. And if you had to pick a team for for your life, why would you do that? And that's an yeah. example of where you're not making your own luck. Right? So come the moment, pick the team you're prepared to die for. Right? And Clive, you have this to- was the same man who picked... Who- Assemble a squad that is the only team that's never been beaten in the league that went exactly. unbeaten, and he did it by assembling some bad hombres full of football fundamentals. Absolutely, yep. go anywhere in the country with them, go any ground. And when you turned up, you said, Yeah, it's on today. When I don't travel away as much as I used to, and I saw that team a lot away from home. And and one of the reasons why I don't is because I coach, but another reason is I'm not following these flaky people around the country. <laughs> no way. I don't know what's turning up. You only have to put I on a headset and turn on your computer to follow these flaky people. <laughs> uh, and, once you, and once you do... Rec- I, I make that choice, right? That's a personal choice. I'm not, I don't mean to, to mock it, but I, I'm I just it. making a point. I, I'm making a point here. And, and what we're doing is, you know, like you're in a nightclub, right? And you're, you're there and all the pretty girls are there. And then oh, you love making. ship, yeah? And the club finishes at two o'clock. And there's a quarter to two dashing around. Oh, my God. And there's some maybe not so nice looking girls, but they look good at quarter to two. I'll tell you that much. They're looking yeah. really good. That's what we're doing. We're looking at this squad and we're thinking, well, they look really good. But actually, mate. Our past 10, there were some crackers there that you missed out on because you were too busy drinking, right? You're not looking at it right. We need to look at this more clearly, make those decisions. Oh, Elliot, your point about the squad next year and people are saying that, when we get a new manager, it'll all be good. You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at being outrun, being outsprinted, being dominated, through balls to our centre-halves, no intensity in midfield. When we get outrun, we've got no response. We've got no physicality up front. I'm thinking, okay, we've got a few things to do. We've got some nice interior players. And I know what I would do in the next phase. I would use some of the young centre-halves we got and I'd play them in a three and I'd progress on that platform and build a new strategy. But that's for the manager to do and let's see what happens next year. But we have things to do. Some of them we can fix with coaching. Some of them we can't because we've got the wrong player types. We made the wrong scouting. Right? So, and we've got to be prepared for that. It's going to be so interesting to see how we react not just with the manager, how he picks players, but the manager and how we ch- and what we choose, because that manager choice will tell us what club we want to be. Yeah, and I think by what the way, Clive's really saying here, Elliot, yeah. is that swapping out the mirror ball isn't going to brighten up these bitches in that disco. <laughs> <laughs> Look, none exactly. of them fancied me at two o'clock. So that's all I'm saying. Look, I- I'll tell you something. I look around the Champions League, and I see Liverpool and, and Real Madrid in the final, and neither of them can defend for Toffee. I don't know why you would defend for Toffee, but they can't do it. They, the Teams can't do I mean, there's a lot of bad defending out there, and we are amongst it. So what we've at least seen is if you have a clear 
ideology, about a philosophy about how you want to play and the kind of attacking football you want to play, and you play on the transition and you press a little, you can go a long way with a mediocre defensive approach and not the best talent in the world. I mean, I, I think Matt Real Madrid must have, You must have devastation up front. You must sure, have but I, up I mean, front. I don't think that we would be so quick to write off Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil, Mkhitaryan as devastating attacking talent if it was coordinated into something that looked like a plan. Now, Fair point. look, Fair and, point. and you made the point about Arsenal. We should be Arsenal. the best bad defending team out there. We I mean, should be. Uh, but, but that's, uh, you, you know what? You laugh, but that's what I'd love for us to be. And you know what? That's what Arsene Wenger used to be. In the banter era, we were the best terrible defensive team you'd ever seen. And we got places with that. And now we're not. Now, look. You mentioned Arsene Wenger doesn't get a lot of luck, and I look. I mean, this was a perfect example. You start the game, and the first thing that happens is you lose your captain, center back, to an Achilles rupture, and probably ends his career on the Wanda pitch. And you're forced into a substitution. I, I get it. You know when he was lucky? He was lucky in a season where every single major competitor dropped out, and it's just you versus Leicester for the title. But he had oh, only brought a goalkeeper <laughs> in the summer. You know, he he doesn't help himself. He just doesn't help himself. And in that January yeah. window, when we were playing Matthew Flamini and Francis Coughlin in central midfield because we had nobody in there, he didn't help himself. And I, I think you can say he's not lucky, and I think that there is truth to that. But I think you can also say that, you know, you make your own luck in some respects. And had he been more... Had he been more aggressive in those transfer windows, then suddenly when it did open up for him, he has another title on his CV. Now, before we get out of here, and, and I, I think... You could be talking about this game for ages, and I, I think the one thing we should all stress, I don't think we have to go into it. We're all devastated. I was heartbroken by this game. I wanted this trophy for, for myself, for our fans, for our players, for Arson so badly. Did I want to see him lift the Europa League trophy in France on the the final day of his career at Arsenal? I wanted, I wanted it so bad I could taste it, and it is devastating to have it ripped away. And so I'm sorry to be piling on him in this moment, but it is frustrating because I think... I want to shake him and say, Arson, you did this to yourself. you know. And, of course, I wish he had gone out a season ago or two seasons ago on a high because I hate seeing it happen in this way. We, we have to spare a word for Koscielny. I mean, Paul, how, how hard is that to watch, and do you think that is genuinely the end? I mean, you've heard people say six months. You don't come back at 32 years old and six months from a ruptured Achilles. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't processed that at all. I can't. Uh, you know, my favorite shirt is a Koscielny shirt. Um, uh, I just... Uh, you know, I already subscribed to this organ donor thing in case my 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 nads and my my tackle are any good to Santi Cazorla's heel. If they can graft it on there for some ta- soft tissue, I don't care. I'll do anything for it's the little. It's the softest belt. tissue. <laughs> yeah, the softest. So I, I just, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see. But I mean, I'd still want him around as a third defender. Um, if there's a way of salvaging that, but at his stage in his career, I don't know. Is there any way back? It, it's. It, I mean, it changes the it changes the calculus for the summer, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, freeze up some wages. Well, yeah, I don't think we're really, just going well, we to just cut him. We don't get to just cut him. Yeah, actually, hamstrings us because we've got to have to pay him, and it's a real shame. I joked on the last podcast that he's about to die. Well, he's just basically football died on the pitch and um, I jinxed him really and um, and that injury for a sprinting defender is yeah. a 
is a cruel one, and um, it's the injury. Oh, it's the most that and the cruciate are the two for me. And the cruciate is it's a nine month to twelve no, the, month the recovery. The cruciate's nothing anymore. The surgery gets you right back to tip top. You yeah, can't, you don't come no, back from it, this. It, it's just the time. But I think with the Achilles. I think it affects your confidence. I think it affects your sprinting power. Yeah. It's a it's a dreadful injury, and it's been in the post for about two years, isn't it? And he's been managing it, and, and strangely, he said this year it was it was feeling a lot better. Yeah. And, and the sometimes when it's live is when the player says, uh, "Yeah, I had a lot of problems, but I've been working with my yoga instructor." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes when you feel you do a different um, recovery and you do different rehab. And it feels better. Maybe you lay off the rehab in certain ways, and he, maybe he's, it made him feel better. But he just lacked a bit of strength, and that's why it went. And um, it must have banged because the moment he went down, Costa just waved straight away. It's just when that goes, you can almost hear it when it goes. Like, it's a horrible yeah, injury. Yeah, terrible. Right? So, Look, I mean, there's a lot of hot takes after a game like this because people are angry. And I even said on Twitter, everybody gets a pass for their tantrum on Twitter tonight because when you're that upset. You don't process it that well. And admittedly, I'm not pro- still not processing it super well. But I think, you know, listening to Martin Keown tear Mesodozo apart was way over the top. I, I, I totally acknowledge that Mesodozo can do more. But I throwing the baby out with the bathwater there is silly. We're committed to him, and he is talented. And I think a manager can get more out of him. Listening to Alan Brazil, who every time he's on my screen, I assume that the saturation and hue settings are off somehow. Talk about Hector Bellerin's vegan diet being the problem with him. Like, there's just a lot of hot take experts when really the, the, the most tepid of take is true, which is yet this is just sort of a microcosm of where Arson's arsenal is right now. You know, yeah. he, he, he just didn't know the moves to make to turn the game around. The players didn't quite have the quality in the key positions we needed to. We came up against a team that had a plan and was organized, and we didn't have the, the plan to, to make the most of it. And really, this tie was lost in the first leg. We were loath to go in with two feet on the first leg because we felt it was a good performance and there was still hope left. But the irony, of course, is at full time last night, I felt more angry about the first leg because, again, you talk about luck, Clive. You're playing 80 minutes with 10 men against Atletico at home. Yeah. I mean, there's luck. It comes back to how we deal with pressure, right? The opportunity was there. It was there. It was half ten, and the blonde bird's walking over to you, oh, and she's again? beautiful. <laughs> and I'm telling you, she's got her house keys in her hand, and you managed to flipping Those you managed house keys. <laughs> or you just happened but to you see you managed me. to blow it right because you can't speak, and you do, and, and it's just like it, the it, the moment was there, and we didn't grasp it, and I tried to ignore its importance, but it was important. And we even one nil would have made that game more interesting. Would have changed the mental dynamics of it. But we we didn't do it right. No. So, um, now now the season Arsenal's peters Arsenal. out. Yeah, it peters out. Now there's there's three meaningless games. But the one on Sunday is Arsenal's final game at the Emirates, and you have to think that the atmosphere is going to be a little bit down in the dumps, unfortunately, um, because people are going to be upset about what happened in Madrid because the game doesn't matter. Um, Paul, I mean, what do you expect from this game? Do you think people will be respectful and that we'll see mostly an outpouring of love and appreciation? Do you worry that it could be a little bit mixed? Uh, I have no idea, I guess. I would be disgusted if people can't get over themselves uh, and give the man the respect he has deserved, even if they just love the first 10 years of his tenure here. Uh, Just get over yourself. It's not about you. 
it's about the club it's about the manager it's about us moving forward together as as a group of fans just you know everybody needs to get over themselves yeah, that's, uh, my view. Well, that's fair. Look, I, I well think said. it will overwhelmingly be positive. Let me say this, though. While I agree with you, Paul, I feel terrible for Arsene that he didn't get this trophy, although he is yeah. complicit in it. I feel oh, yeah. sad to see him go, although it is time. And while yeah. I think we absolutely owe him respect and appreciation for everything he did, let's not turn him into a martyr because he's not Agreed. that. He is nope. an eight million pound per year chief executive essentially right i mean uh, he is yeah. he is the boss at a big company where there's big pressure and expectations and at any normal company run that way you lose your job when you don't live up to the expectations it is a cruel world but it is cruel for all of us in that same way uh, i mean hell paul's got like a, a cow's foot on his leg now so yeah i mean it, it is it is definitely he deserves the respect the love the admiration i i think some people's treatment of him last night like you know, like he is a, a martyr, um, I, yeah. I think goes too far. I think it gets too maudlin at that point, and sometimes we have to check ourselves. I mean, uh, Clive. Do yeah, you, I mean, I, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I'll hand it over to Clive. But I mean, I, I'm his biggest fan, and all that. We all are. Um, but I mean, Arson isn't selfless. I mean, uh, he, he certainly showed his loyalty in the toughest times. He had offers when he was at his zenith. But in, in the later years, I mean, he's he's very much done what he wanted to do. And he he wasn't he didn't step back and have a look. And he overstayed his his tenure at the club. I mean, I would have said I was fine with everything up till about two years ago. Not that he was top level, but I was fine with it up till about two what years ago. What he was ago, producing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, for for and me, so, the Leicester season was where he went from maybe it's yeah. time to go to y- you've blown it, dude. Like, you, yeah. you got to go. Um, yeah. I mean, Clive, what, what are you expecting so, on Sunday? You think you think it'll be the right the right atmosphere and, and a good send-off? Yeah, I think the martyr thing that you said was, um, was interesting. I think people are just, they're grieving in their own way. They're processing it in their own way. And some people are ready to move on. And some people are going to say, well, you know what? Let's do the right thing. Let's do the Arsenal thing and make sure we do it properly. And there's going to be a massive crowd on, on Sunday and I'm sure we'll do it very, very classily. Um, I think from my angle with Wenger, I think um, there's two points I want to raise. I think football as a as a game and the, and the people within it, then most of them are not very nice. Um, Arsene Wenger is almost too good for football as, yeah, a, as a character sure. that's well said. and an individual. He is uh, way beyond the game. His intelligence is way beyond the game. But his intelligence has actually let him down. I think um, he should have worked out his skill set, and his skill set is far bigger than coaching a group of young men. He should have elevated himself into a senior role within the club where he could have overseed the growth of the club and leave the coaching and the detail and the fine detail of, of modern coaching to somebody else and created a structure. But what he did was he held on to the club too long until he could no longer juggle all the balls in the air. And and the modern fan has data and information and an instant opinion. And we can say what we like, whether it's said well, said with thought, or said with anger. And that's what's happened. And it's driven him to a point of where he can no longer 
see himself he's now started to react and he's lost his fundamentals right so um and that's a shame it's ended like that but the 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 real trick of a real senior executive is knowing when to retire your innings or knowing when to elevate and layer yourself and i'm afraid he missed that trick and it's cost him that's really sad and that's a and that's a shame and that belies his intelligence yeah well said so as we sign off here i I just want to look forward just the tiniest little bit before we say goodbye so Paul, I just want to get your surface level, which is really all I expect anyway, um, take on whether you think a new manager might be able to make a big impact on this squad without making the kind of squad overhaul that a lot of people perceive we need. Yeah, absolutely. There's, we were less than the sum of our parts this this year. You get a really good ma- manager, you get more than the sum of your parts. There's plenty of upside here. Um, it, it's, it, you know, if you hear people saying, oh, it takes years to turn over a squad, and it can do, but you can get a big upside from three, four good si- of the right signings, the good signings. I'm fascinating to see what Sven has in his Rolodex, Rolodex there in terms of um, signings. He, he may love the idea we've only 50 million quid and need to sell some players to generate more it might play exactly into his approach and his philosophy so it could be a very interesting couple of years if he's matched up with the right manager they're on the same page and they can get out there and wheel and deal a bit i mean you don't need uh, atletico madrid do not have higher revenues than us so you can put together a really good team if you know what you're doing and we haven't known what we're doing for recruiting wise for a good three or four years probably i mean just the simple fact that we get someone in whose job is to be a coach and not run an entire multi-billion dollar football club might might make a big difference i mean clive i know you think we could flush them all blow it up start over i mean i know you want to blow it up but given that we have finite resources and blowing it up isn't realistic you know we're not real madrid we can't just you know get rid of these players and spend a billion dollars and put bring in new players so do you have any sense of optimism that that changing the manager could be enough to to get what we need to out of the group that we have? Uh, no, I don't think that's the case. I think when I say blow it up, what I really mean is some people want a change in manager. Or I want a change in culture, right? So, who, who, what would you... be the most important player changes to change the culture? Like, if you said, if you said, I, I'm manager tomorrow, and these guys have to go for me to build the culture I need, who goes? If you if you want to change the culture in any organization, you have to take out a key pillar, right? So, the Jose Mourinho approach. Uh, you have to, right? And because you have to take out a player that represents your culture, and you have to make a painful decision. Now, it depends on the manager. It depends on what we choose. It depends if you want to keep exactly the same culture. I want to change the culture of how we play football and how we approach football. Some of that will be done in coaching. Some of that's done on player types. So if we're looking to improve how we play, we have to speed up as a team. We have to be more intense as a team to match the teams that are better than us at the moment. That's number one. And we have to be more two-way as a team. When we do that, our footballing culture will change. To do that, I feel we need to take out some of our, shall I say, artisans 
or they have to change how they play and be more accountable. It's about the accountability culture that I want to see change. It's not only about people changing. It's about what we stand for and how we how we drive standards. Let's get our standards back. It's building blocks. Let's make sure people are accountable for their performance and behaviours. Let's make sure they that we are judged on delivery, not by the name on the back of your shirt. When we get that sorted out, the rest will flow. It's like anything. When a new boss comes into work, you find something extra because you don't want to lose your job. Right? So let's see what happens. I'm not going to say we need to sell. There's about 10 players that can go and no one would even skip a beat, right? Because that's where they are in contract-wise. Maybe one or two will, will go that could surprise us. I'm not going to name names because it's just going to cause Well, we're going to do a trauma. podcast on this. We're going to do a who's going to go this yeah, summer, who's going to come. That'll be, you know, you know what? That's a great idea, mate. I look forward to that. Maybe I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be more forthcoming then. But don't get wrapped up in the major changing. The culture's got to change because that underpins who we are and what our outputs will be. And when that happens, then it'll be good. Yeah. Interestingly, we have a team full of adults. You know, we have we have a lot of grown-ass players in this squad, you know, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. So the new manager is inheriting players who you could argue are either too ingrained in the way they play and can't be changed, or you could argue have the maturity to get down to business and do things the right way. We'll find out which way it goes. In any event, really, really tough to get up for the football these last three games. Uh, but change is coming. That's exciting. We will uh, we'll have Tim on for all the last few podcasts. He's promised that. So I think just looking ahead, as these games start to mean less, we'll start to look at who are the managers you want. We've got some interesting questions on Twitter that we'll address that with. Who are the players you would get rid of? Who are the players you bring, bring in? What do you suspect will happen? We'll get a little more into uh, the rumory stuff that people love. Uh, so that'll do it for our Europa League campaign. On the bright side, if we can get past Burnley in the weekend, we might get another one next season. Uh, Paul's on Twitter at Pausing in my pants. Thanks, Paul. Woohoo! Heal well, my friend. Uh, Thank you. You know, may you, may you, and Lauren Kashani have a speedy recovery. Uh, yeah. Clive is on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Thanks, Clive. Thanks a lot. I'm off to a nightclub. Yeah, I was going to say I'll see you, see you at the club around two a.m. I'll be the one with the blonde wig yeah. and the keys in my hand. Uh, my name is Elliot. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Give us a five star review. Write nasty things about us in the comments. I think we're all sort of working through the emotions of of this ending, and it is tough. And I think Arsene Wenger said it best that most love stories don't end happily. You know, love relationships when they break up, they break up unhappily. Uh, but often those breakups lead to. Uh, healthier times for all parties involved so hopefully that's the case here some sometimes the girls left pregnant yeah sometimes you have to get some antibiotics it, it it's different in every yeah. case uh okay uh we we will uh, talk about stds and nightclubs and love on the next podcast talk to you after arsenal 10 burnley nil Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.